God. Praise God. Can we just go ahead and thank God for his goodness today? Come on, let's demonstrate our confidence in God. Let's demonstrate how much we trust in his goodness. You know, I'm reminded of Psalms 23. Psalms 23, David says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Even if you're going through a tough time right now, even if you're going through a challenging time right now, why don't you remain confident in God that he will turn even a challenging situation around and work it out and bring good out of it because of your confidence in him. Come on, let's love on our good God. Let's love on our great Savior, Jesus. Father, we have ultimate confidence in you that no matter what we face, Father, you will bring goodness out of it. And goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. How many of y'all believe that today? Do you all believe that goodness and mercy will follow you for the rest of your life? I've got even better news than that for you. It will also follow you all throughout eternity. I want to do something. I'm led as I was standing over there today, uh, over there in that corner. The Lord just ministered to me that we need to publicly pray for Israel today. And I'll explain why in a moment. Of course, Israel and Hamas. Hamas is just really the Palestinians. And how many of y'all don't know that Israel is important to God? And Israel should be important to the United States of America. One of the best things I heard our newly elected president say, which I hadn't heard him say during this entire time, and he needed to say it publicly, was, I stand with Israel. And the United States is what it is today in part because it has always stood with Israel. And so if you're next to someone that you're comfortable uh, holding hands with, go ahead and hold hands with them. If you're not, just, just join me in prayer. But like anything else, how I many you know we shouldn't pray without some kind of context? And so Psalms 122, stanza 6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Say, may they prosper who love you. So notice, when you pray for Jerusalem, it causes you to prosper. Peace be within your walls and prosperity within your gates, which is what we want to pray for, peace and safety and their well-being. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say peace within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. And as long as America seeks the good of Jerusalem, how I many you know we will always prosper and we will always be safe, okay? I just read that to you in the Bible that has no political affiliation whatsoever. That statement was not Republican. That statement was not Democratic. That statement was biblical. I need a little better amen in here. Let's pray. Father, we pray according to your word for the peace of Jerusalem right now. We pray for peace within its walls and prosperity within its gates. Father, we know that you're personally protected it, but protecting it, but you still asked us to pray, Father. And so we draw a bloodline around Jerusalem right now that Satan cannot befall. And we declare that not one weapon formed against her will prosper. But Father, with long life, you'll continue to protect her and show her your deliverance, Father. And so we speak shalom, shalom right now. Peace within and peace without Jerusalem right now. And we say that that calm and that rest and that ceasefire will remain, Father. And we give you the glory and the honor for it in Jesus' name. And now, Father, as we go further into this service today and we conclude the last words of Jesus, Father, help all of us to get a greater revelation of his final instructions before his final ascension, Father. Help us to take his words seriously, Father, not as just words that we hear, but words that we want to apply to our daily lives. And as always, Father, I'll give you all the glory for all the good that'll come out of this service today in Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Can we give God just a real good hallelujah? Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to love on someone and then you can be seated. However you're comfortable loving on them, 
I thoroughly enjoyed the living room worship ministry today. Excellent job by our music department. Really lit my candle this morning. <clears throat> Want to welcome everyone and especially our online viewing audience today. Uh, so glad to have you. Glad to have you all in the building on today. Thank you for uh, pressing your way out. I know in these challenging times as we're coming to the end of this pandemic. I, I, I said as we're coming to the end of this pandemic. And you all might notice the church is lagging behind. We're really one of the last institutions where this stuff is required. Uh, and so you'll see changes coming in the near future. When I go to the grocery store, I don't have to do that anymore. I go to the gym, I walk straight in, there's no temperature checks, no masks, everybody's working out, having a good time. I think the last place we should be afraid is in church. I need a little, a little better amen in that, right? And so thank you all again for coming out today. God loves you, we love you as well. I believe the Holy Spirit has something specific for us. To our online viewing audience and in the room, the best way to follow along today is the YouVersion Bible app, but also uh, through our on, uh, online platform, you can, church online platform, you can follow along right there. Also online, I want to do another roll call. Again, we haven't seen people in a long time, so check in. Let us know where you're viewing from. There's certain people and names we haven't seen in over a year and a half. And so we just want to know that you're doing well. We care about you, okay? So just let us know if you're watching today, your name, where you're watching from. There are names and people we haven't seen in over a year and a half. And so if you're out there, let us know that you're out there and you are doing well. But more importantly, if you have anything that we can join our faith with yours and just pray and be in agreement with you about, please type, type it in the chat. We'd love to join our faith with yours because we don't believe God just hears prayers God also answers prayers. I want to read a testimony before we get started with the word today. This is a testimony that just really blessed. We get these all the time, but I really wanted to share this one. It says, a few Sundays ago, uh, the praise team sang songs, and all of the songs had something to do with healing. Pastor picked that up, and he said, anyone looking for healing, stand up and raise your hand. And I did, and he prayed for our healing. He told us to do something we haven't been able to do before. I wasn't able at that time uh, to sit for long periods of time, uh, and this has been going on for years. It was painful for me. I couldn't even be in the car for more than 45 minutes. That would become painful, and I would need to ice and get on pain meds. Slowly, I started to notice I was doing things I couldn't do before, like sit on my couch because it, was, it has lines sewn into it. Uh, one day, I was talking to my daughter. I was sitting on the couch for like one hour, and I said, Joni, look, I'm sitting on the couch. We were both in med on meds. We were both on, or I was on meds. Uh, or I was on meds, and anything my mother, this is the daughter said this, was with me, and she said, Nikki, you did, you did all of that pain-free with no ice and no meds. I'm so happy that I went to church that Sunday and didn't give up because it wasn't instantaneous. This blessed me. Thanking you so much for praying for me and teaching us how to trust God and to have faith and believe that he would do what he said he would do. Thanks again. I just wanted to share this because it has changed my life. Can we all rejoice with my dear sister right now? Right? And so it's a reminder that all healings aren't instantaneous. Some healings happen over the process of time. I mean, if you'll keep trusting and you'll keep believing in God, uh, how many of you, it will eventually manifest itself. I just want to say one more thing before I get to the word today. COVID is not welcome here. I just wanted to say that publicly. It dies instantly. Not in the building, but soon as it gets on the ground, the virus dies instantly. That's my confession of faith. Anybody want to get in agreement with me? All right? And anyone who has it, if they come in contact with you, they'll be instantly healed from it. Come on, folks. Either we believe this stuff or we don't, right? Let's get into the book today. Now, 
I'm going to end early. Uh, really, this is the last thing that he said, but I'm calling it number five today. There are really two other things, and I may weave those into the message depending on how the Lord leads me today, but we're going to bring it to a close today. And uh, we're talking about, again, Jesus' last words. A lot of times when people hear that, they automatically go to his last words on the cross. And, and as we're studying, those were actually not his last words. He rose from the grave and he came back and he had some important things to say before his final ascension. And so uh, Luke, did, Jesus, again, as we're going to look at our text today, is going to remind his disciples uh, the same way that he did on the road to Emmaus, why the scriptures matter. I want to just share this with you all before we get into it. You're not going to be a powerhouse for God if you don't know the scriptures. How many of y'all would agree with that statement? Coming to church will not make you a powerhouse for God. Knowing the scriptures make you a powerhouse for God. And so I learned something in my study uh, for you all today that Matthew is really the great commission that we're all familiar with. Matthew uh, 18, 28, 18 through 20, where he says, go into all of the world and make disciples. That's actually the commission that we're all familiar with. But Luke also had a great commission. And it's similar to Matthew's, but it has some other details to it that we'll learn and we'll point out today. And so really, Luke's Great Commission, it focuses on five key points, and they're all found in Luke 24, 46 through uh, 48, which we'll read in a moment. But today we're going to look at Jesus' fifth words, which I'm calling his fifth words, which were actually his final words, in the form, and they came in the form of a command, and he literally told his disciples to wait for the gift now that is so important I want you all to think about if you knew you had one last moment with the people that you love wouldn't you probably share with them what you believe is the most important thing to you how many of y'all would agree with that statement so right before his final ascension he said something that we'll analyze today let's look at our text in Luke 24 44 through 49 and then I'll share what those five key points are, and we'll get into our message on today. Luke 24, 44 says, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Verse 45, And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things, eyewitnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, there are five key points in here. First thing that he points out is the importance of the resurrection. If you are a Christian, I need us to understand this. If there is no resurrection, then there is no point in anything that we're doing today. Everything we're doing today is meaningless if there's no resurrection. But if it's true, then it should change everything that we know about life and the way that we live it. And that should be our response to it. Watch this now. I want to be real careful here. Even the hardships that come along with salvation. When you believe in the resurrection, folks, every hardship you face becomes worth it. Because what you are identifying with is the death, burial, and resurrection of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You get to a place where you say, it is a privilege and an honor to partake in the sufferings of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It literally identifies us with him. But how many know the same way that, that God delivered him from his troubles, how many know God has already delivered you from yours? And that's why we don't get all uptight when life hits us because we already know the outcome of that. And there's no greater example of that than what I'm watching in my wife 
every single day of her life. You would never know she just went through five radiation treatments on last week, proton therapy, and she was still up here leading prayer this morning with fire and passion and conviction because she understands the resurrection power of God, folks. And if you'll let God go with you through your troubles, you'll go through them without even the smell of smoke on your clothes. Come on, somebody. You'll go through them as though nothing ever hits you. The world will never, ever know what you're going through because God is with you. You are identifying with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And the same way that God raised him up from the grave, gave him a name that is above every other name, you know you. You are coming out on the other side of this better than what you want in, and you know God's going to get the glory from it. Folks, we need to stop being babies when we go through stuff and realize that if God is on my side, then what can man do unto me? A thousand can fall at my side, 10,000 on my right hand, but it will not come near me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. We say it, folks, but we also need to live it. That resurrection should change everything. Second thing he talked about is a call to repentance and the offer of forgiveness. Repentance means a reversal of a previous decision made. See, once you become a Christian, how many know you're already forgiven? And sometimes, folks, we need to stop saying I'm sorry and change the way we think about that wrong behavior. Because if we never change the way we think, then the behavior will never change. And your solution will be, all I've got to do is confess it and God forgives me, but your behavior will never change until you repent. Then the offer of forgiveness. Folks, forgiveness is a one-time event. Just like water baptism is a one-time event because it's representative of something that has already been done for you. But repentance is lifelong. So when I do wrong, it's because I think wrong. As a man thinketh, so is he. I'm already forgiven. I need to adjust my thinking. <laughs> Can I get a little better amen in this place today? All right, let's get third thing here he talks about. The gospel is for all nations. The word nations is uh, a Greek word there that means all races and ethnicities. Folks, I, I hate to be the one to bring this news to you, but Sunday morning is the most racist day of the year. And 11 o'clock a.m. is the most racist hour on Sunday. Because people make a decision that they will only worship with people who look like them. So Christ sends us to all ethnicities and people so that every tribe and tongue that hasn't heard about Jesus needs to hear. I'm telling you all, God is dealing with my heart about this. We must hire people that don't look like us. if the behavior is ever going to change. There are no all black sections in heaven. There are, not, there are no all white sections in heaven. I mean, we're all going to be together. So we might as well practice down here on earth. No all Hispanic sections in heaven. So we're going to get some practicing in right here at Linked Up Church. Number four, he's Christ sends out his followers. So Christ is sending us out to share the gospel with people he's placed us in and around. Our front lines. All of us have our own front lines. A lot of times they're right in our house, our, our parents, our children. Uh, a lot of times they're right around us, our neighbors, our coworkers, etc. Those are your front line people that God is sending you out to reach you. And then the last one he, he talks about in this commission is we need the Holy Spirit to empower us. Luke's commission is in, entirely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We can't spread the message of Christ without the Holy Spirit working in us, through us, and on us. Right? I mean, we can't spread this without power. 
The world, world's going to challenge what you believe today. So they don't just need to hear Jesus. They need to see Jesus. So God is, Jesus is preparing them that you're going to need something greater on you that you don't currently possess right now. So now, letter A today. We're just going to exhaust one point today. His command here is to wait for the gift. Let's go back and let's look at Luke 24, 49, and let's begin to dissect the text. It says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father. How? Notice he did not say within you. When a person gives their life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit on the inside is for character. Galatians chapter 5, the fruits of the Spirit. He uses different terminology here. He says, the Holy Spirit, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you, right? And then he goes on to say here, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. The word tarry means to wait. Now, of course, if you go back to churches before pastors were educated, they would have tarrying services. How many of y'all remember tarrying services? For a person to receive the Holy Spirit, they go put them in another room and they tell them to wait. But that was even unscriptural because he said tarry in Jerusalem. So if you were going to have a scripturally correct tarrying service, they should have put those people on a plane and flew them to Jerusalem because that's what the scripture says, right? He's only talking to this specific group of people and then once the Holy Spirit is here, I mean, everybody can receive them anywhere. Okay, let's keep reading. So he says, until you are endued with power from on high. That's some key words in here. This word endued means put on like a garment. So remember that. So the Holy Spirit is actually going to come on them like a garment. And then the word power here is a Greek word dunamis, and it means miraculous ability, abundance, strength, or force. So in other words, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, I mean, we can do things in his might and his ability that we can't do within ourselves. And it's really a wonderful thing. I, Joel Gregory cannot lead linked up church. But Joel Gregory with the Holy Ghost on him can lead linked up church and take a whole city. Are you all clear out there? Because that comes on you to give you miraculous ability and force and power to get things done for God. And he's telling them, wait, don't go out and try to do anything until you get this. See, I submit to you, a lot of us are trying to do the work of God without the power of God. I said, a lot of us are trying to do the work of God without the power of God. And it's so important that the power of God accompanies the work of God. All right, let's keep reading here. So we're going to look through the book of Acts today, and we're going to study three instances, if we're able to get to all of them, where people were filled with the Holy Spirit, or we see the Holy Spirit coming upon people. One text is a particularly long text, but you're going to see all five of the points in Luke's commission in that text today, and I think it'll be a real blessing to you. Before we get to it, we'll answer the question, how many times do we find speaking in tongues as the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit? And then you've got to understand what your opponents are going to challenge you when you tell people they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit or they need to pray another tongues it is a gift that every believer should have you should understand what your opponents believe so that you can defend what you believe properly the one thing that they're going to tell you is that this is a one-time phenomenon this is not in your notes so if you're interested in learning you'll take notes it's not a theater you're not at the movie theater you're in church right so I on purpose don't put everything in the notes because if you want it, you'll go get it. All right? So your opponents are going to tell you it was a one-time phenomenon that happened and has never happened again since then. The other thing your opponents are going to tell you is that the only reason God allowed them to speak in other tongues was so that the people could understand what they were saying and get saved. That's actually partial truth, but it's not the whole truth. And how many know it's challenging when we make lifelong decisions off of partial truth and we don't study everything that the scripture had to say about the same subject? See, we can miss out on more because we got stuck just looking at one text 
and not examining everything he said about it. So we're going to follow that text that people draw that conclusion from. We're going to follow that all the way through the book of Acts, okay? So number one today, let's look at the day of Pentecost. Now, I am prophesying online and in the room. Every person that is not filled with the Holy Spirit and that has never prayed in other tongues will get filled today and pray in other tongues. Do I have anybody believing that with me today? All right, let's, let's read today. Now, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. So they obeyed. They did what he instructed them to do. Now let's pick it up in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So they misinterpreted uh, what he meant by that. Then he explains further. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father have put in his own authority. But then he reminds them, but you shall receive power, dunamis there, miraculous ability, force. When the Holy Spirit has come, how? upon you but but watch this again we missed this piece of it first thing he says after the holy spirit comes upon you is that you will be witnesses to me one of the greatest reasons the holy spirit comes on us folks is so that we can testify about jesus to other people watch this and literally use that power to change whatever's wrong in their lives to right the problem is we keep this gift all to ourselves and we shock a McKee at home, hello somebody, and in our closets, but we don't take it out to a lost and dying world. See, it's something about telling someone that Jesus can fix their situation, praying for them, and then all of heaven backing up that prayer. Amen. Folks, we are failing in our witnessing. We're succeeding in coming to church, and I'm speaking to myself too. We're failing at witnessing. When's the last time you witnessed to somebody? Now, don't everybody answer that question at the same time. Type it in online. When's the last time? No, don't type that in, right? Think about that for a moment. It's not in our DNA to naturally, we keep to ourselves. We mind our own business. We have the words of life, but we don't share them. So the first thing he says is, you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem, right? Start at home, in Judea, in Samaria, and then to the end of the earth. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Let's read verses 1 through 4. So when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance so tongues here in the Greek is translated as a language that is not naturally acquired or a language that is unacquired utterance here is translated as to enunciate plainly that is to declare that is to say or to speak forth so what I want to be clear on here they were filled with the Holy Spirit they began to speak but the Holy Spirit gave the utterance are you all clear so you'll see a joint cooperation here between human beings and the Holy Spirit it's not all you and it's not all the Holy Spirit. You have to yield your tongue, your vocal cords, and you have to begin to speak. And then the Holy Spirit will give you the utterance or the manner or style by which you speak. No two people pray in tongues the exact same way. Everyone agrees with that, right? If you're imitating someone else, it's probably not your heavenly prayer language. 
Just like I can imitate the way someone else talks, I've seen people over the years, they don't have anything. They just heard somebody else doing something, and they do it the same way they heard somebody else do it. This is so unique that God will give you your own personal language. Still with me out there? Now, for me, this takes up 90% of my prayer time. I just told my wife the other day, I'm able to figure out things that I know I'm not smart enough in my own to do it. And this is how, when I figure it out, this is what I say to her. The Holy Spirit is so smart. In this one particular area, I've been trying all year long to do something and get something. Then I just thought about it for a moment. Let me ask the Holy Spirit. Prayed in other tongues, and then he showed me what to do. And it arrives on Monday. Something I ain't been able to get all year long. Folks, the Holy Spirit is way smarter than you are. I said the Holy Spirit is way smarter than you are. And part of his job is to show you things to come. All right. So notice what happened here. I want to work this point because when I get somewhere, it'll all make sense. Notice what happened the very moment they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to reiterate this. They began to speak. So the moment they got filled, they acted. As soon as they sensed the Spirit of God coming on them, they began to speak. I want to point that out. And then notice they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they are listening then. You got to really pay attention here. You're listening inside in order to release something on the outside. And it's a little different than what we understand. You have to quiet yourself down enough to hear internally so that you can pray and speak what the Holy Spirit wants you to pray and speak. And that's literally how you pray the perfect will of God over a situation. Because, I mean, I don't know. There's so much going on in my life, I don't know how to get out of a whole lot of this stuff or figure it out. But I know he does. And a lot of times I'll just quiet down enough and say, Holy Spirit, you know way more about that than I do. And so now I pray your perfect will over this situation. And I pray that you'll illuminate and enlighten my mind and give me understanding in the natural about what I prayed in the spirit realm. See, 1 Corinthians 14 says that pray in an unknown tongue and then pray in English also. So a lot of times what you're trying to do is understand what you prayed in the spirit in English. So a lot of times right after that, what I'll do is just begin to have a start talking. And what will come out of my spirit is an understanding of what I prayed. Is that making sense to anyone in the room? In the natural, the best example illustration I can give you is this building was dilapidated. There was nothing in Powder Springs. All right? Why would you buy that? Right? Why would you do that? But I would sit on that lot and I would pray in, the, in other tongues. And then I would ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten my mind and give me understanding about what I was praying. And then what would happen is an overwhelming peace would come over me to buy this building. And that's the only way I can describe it to you. Today, folks, this building is worth $13 million more than what we paid for. Maybe 15, maybe 15. Maybe that's probably more accurate, probably 15. Listen to this. A developer came and sat. This I'm saying. He knows everything. A developer came and sat with us in that office over there. They're getting ready to build a $45 million development right around this building. Listen to this. With everything that we were going to build, they're going to pay for it. Somebody ought to, man, listen to me. You're missing a great place to give God glory. So I'm sitting here looking at the drawings, and he said, I'm going to put that right there, and you all can use it. I didn't say nothing to him. I'm like, that's what we were going to put right there. Then he went over and he said, we're going to develop this, and we're going to do this, but we want to be good partners with you all. 
I said, that's what we were going to do to that, but we didn't need all of that. We just need two of them. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to tell you that the Holy Spirit can get you where you can't get yourself. So literally, folks, because my heart was never to extract from the people. So God sent you somewhere that he would raise the value so that you would never have to extract from the people. Because I've always believed church should give to the people, not take from the people. There's no way I could have known that. There's no way I could have known that. Can I, if I get go too far, stop me. What started all of this was we were trying to buy all of the properties. And I think the developer said, wait a minute, something's going on over there. Let me go over there and see what's going on. I believe he saw our building and the level that we built and said, it's ready. My wife, she, her, her God and the Holy Spirit, the only ones can stop me while I'm preaching. That's my help meet right there. I forgot this piece. He literally apologized to us for not developing around us at the level that we developed. And then felt a responsibility now to develop around us at the level that we built Linked Up Church. Come on, somebody ought to, I mean, somebody ought to give God some glory in this place today. She's going to make me run. She's going to make me run today. Listen, there's no way, I'm trying to help you all understand, there's no way I could have known that. I'll use one more and then I'll get into the rest of my message. My wife and I, we never buy a house to take everybody else in the neighborhood up. We find the worst house in the best neighborhood. And so we bought a house. You step out on the deck, your fit, her foot slipped through the deck because it was rusting out. I was like, yeah, that's my kind of house right there. Man, the, I don't even want to get into how beat up this house was, right? So we purchased it. Since we purchased it, they are building or have built five houses around us for two to 350,000 more than what we paid for that house. Smaller. Some of them, no basements. We prayed in the spirit. Is this the house? In a dilapidated, dilapidated community. Condition of the house was dilapidated and the community, most of the community. No. Underdeveloped. I'm listening to her. That's how you stay happily married for 24 years. I'm listening to my wife. So underdeveloped, right? Is that the correct term? Underdeveloped. See this boy, I'm going to get whatever I want to eat today and whatever I want today, it's happening. It's going down. My baby's going to take care of me today. All right? Here's my point. There's no way Joel Gregory knew any of this. But the Holy Spirit knew all of that. Somebody say, I'm tired. Uh, getting, my get getting my results. I'm ready, I'm ready. to get some supernatural results. How, how long have we been here, Minister Johnny? How long have we been here? Three years? Almost four years. Two this, this is worth 15 million more than what we paid for in four years. When they finished that development, now there's another piece to it. They did want to buy this. 
But, but how many of y'all know? You got to wait till they finish all of that. Because the price before the bill is going to be a little different than the price after the bill. So now this positions us linked up church and it gives us options to pursue all kind of opportunities because somebody listened to the Holy Ghost. If I could get you all to practice this in your personal life, it will change your life for the rest of your life. Okay? Now let's look at Cornelius and his household. I've got six minutes left on that clock and a lot to read here. So now this is 10 years after the day of Pentecost. The entire household of Cornelius, who was a devout Roman centurion, I'll talk to you about what all that means in a moment. He was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's begin reading in Acts chapter 10, verse 1. And there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. Remember, this is 10 years after the event that we just read in Acts chapter 1 and 2. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. He was a centurion. Centurion means that he was a captain over 100 men of what was called the Italian Regiment. He was a devout man and one that feared God with all of his household who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. So what does a devout man look like? A devout man is a person that fears God. A devout man is, a one, that, is one that gives generously. And a devout man is a man that prays all the time. So if you want to be a devout man, fear God, give generously, and pray to God always. Verse 3 says, In about the ninth hour, which was 3 p.m. of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Now, notice this man prayed to God always. We should be careful following visions that don't, are not birthed out of prayer. I wouldn't really pay much attention to anything I think I'm getting if I'm not coming out of a season of prayer. You'll follow that theme throughout this entire text here. So now, and he said, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial or a record or a reminder before God. Think about somebody's prayer life and their giving life. God wants to set it up before him as a record and a memorial to remember all throughout eternity. This man's prayer life and his giving life impacted God. Verse 5 says, now send men to Joppa. This is what the Holy Spirit gives instructions. Notice how detailed and specific it is. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. I just want to throw this out. Anytime the Holy Spirit is giving you instructions that concern another person, the Holy Spirit is intelligent enough to tell the other person the same instructions that he's giving you. So when people come up to you talking about the Lord told them to tell you, the Lord would have told you first. And what, and what he's doing is confirming that through them. Come on, I said I need a little better amen. A lot of people have run off and married people that somebody else told them the Lord told them that was their husband. The Lord ain't told because look how it turned out. You know the Lord didn't tell them that. Folks are starting church and folks doing a whole lot of stuff talking about the Lord told them to do it. And he ain't told nobody else. Folks, this has destroyed a lot of people. There's a lot of church hurt from people running around doing something that somebody else told them the Lord told them to tell them. I'm telling you right now, if you come up to me with that. I'll probably respond this way. Well, let me go pray about it and see if the Lord confirms what you just told me. But I'm not running with it. Okay, let's keep going. We got a lot to cover today. You all, how many of y'all glad you came to church today? Okay. Online, how you doing out there? Just type in, I'm good. I'm doing good. Keep going, Pastor. All right, let's keep going. Verse 6. 
He is lodging with Simon, a tanner. Look at our detail. Whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius had two of his household servants. He obeyed immediately and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to do what? See, I would not believe anything God is leading me to do if I'm not praying about it. So Peter goes up to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, which is 12 noon. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance, which a trance is just a displacement of the mind. We've all done that before. How I many of y'all just kind of, you got lost for a moment, right? So eyes still open, but you got lost for a moment. So he falls into a trance, and he saw heaven opened up like an object, like a, and then here, like an object, like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. I have never eaten with anyone that is not of my race. That's exactly what he said. He said, I've never eaten anything common or unclean outside of my race. I'm going to prove this in a moment. Peter was a racist. How many know it takes the Holy Ghost to stop racism? If people don't get filled with the Spirit of God and the love of God, you can't defeat racism. See, I don't have a problem with who my kids marry as long as they're saved. Matter of fact, there's a high probability that both, both of them will marry others. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me as long as they love God and save. Come on, somebody filled with the Holy Spirit. Bring them on. Color has nothing to do with it. See, see right there, that rubs somebody right there. To... All right, let's keep reading here. So not so, Lord. No, not me. You know, I don't do that, Lord. And a voice spoke to him again. A voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleaned, Peter, you cannot call common. This was done three times because his racism is so steeped. And the object was taken up into heaven again. I'll prove all of this. The text will prove it. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. See how accurate this is? While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. How many men did Cornelius send? Three. See how detailed the Holy Spirit is? Arise, therefore, go, to, go down and go to them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. And for what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God, has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. These are the believing Jews, you'll see that in a moment, who accompanied him. The same group that was with them in Acts 1 and 2, 10 years earlier. I'll prove that in a moment. And the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. And Peter was coming in. Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up and said, stand up, man. I'm a man just like you are. And that is the right way. See, sometimes pastors let people worship them. And sometimes it messes that pastor up. When in reality, the pastor is not greater than the people. The pastor is lower than the people because he should be serving them. 
So when you, when you demand stuff and you need 100 people around you and come on somebody and if they don't, they get fired and if they don't carry and they're not in their spot and all, come on, come on, stop all of that stuff. Serve people. All right, what verse did I leave off at? I'm just trying to see if you all are following along. What verse did I leave off at? All right, 28. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with, see, how many know his racism kicked right back in? See, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one who is another race. That's what the word nation means, ethnos. Look it up. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection. As soon as I was sent for, I asked them, for what reason have you sent me? So Cornelius said, four days ago, while I was eating pizza until this hour. Is that what it said? Did I read that wrong? Four days ago, while I was watching the, a movie, four days ago, while I was what? Stop saying the Lord told you to do stuff and you ain't been praying and fasting about that. See how clear this is? Four days ago, while I was what? Until this hour, and at the ninth hour, then I did what? So he's fasting and he's praying. See, for some things, folks, you need both of those. I don't have time to get into that. Let's keep going. But that's a whole nother message by itself. Prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. See, sometimes, folks, when you pray and fast long enough, God will send an angel. God will meet you at whatever level you approach him at. Verse 31, and he said, Cornelius, he knows his name. Your prayers have been heard and your alms have been remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Translation, I perceive that God is not racist. But in every nation or ethnos, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Why? For God was with him. And we are witnesses of these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him, God, raised up on the third day, showed him openly, not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who ordained us by God to judge both the living, or he is the one that is ordained by God to judge both the living and, to, and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission or forgiveness of sins. Now watch this. So he preached the gospel unto them, correct? He preached the word of God unto them. Look at verse 44. While Peter was still speaking, these words, the Holy Spirit fell how? I believe somebody's getting filled with the Holy Spirit right now. Somebody online is getting filled with the Holy Spirit right now. Hallelujah. The word will work all by itself. 
So while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision believing Jews who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So that refutes that one-time experience in Acts chapter 1 and 2. These believing Jews that are with Peter were there 10 years ago. Let's keep reading. Peter goes on to say, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized? Now, how many of you know you cannot be water baptized until you first receive Jesus? So you can see a couple of things about Cornelius and his household. They believed and feared God, but they didn't know Jesus yet. And they had not been filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, there are a lot of people who love God, but don't believe in Jesus or have not yet received Jesus. So you see what God is doing here? So, so Cornelius' heart was so right and so ready, it's really easy now to take him because he already loves God. How many of you can't love God without loving Jesus? Because Jesus is God. Everybody clear? Then watch this now. So, 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 so now water baptism is going to follow salvation. And this is something. We've got a, another public water baptism coming up in July. If you've never been water baptized and you're saved, you need to do that. Okay? Watch this now. So they, uh, what should forbid they, that these should be baptized? Who have received the Holy Spirit, look at the language here, just as we have. So then how did they receive it? You've got to go back 10 years ago to Acts chapter 1 and 2. So it clearly is not a one-time experience. Peter was present in Acts 1 and 2. So they're identifying that these people have received it the same way that we received it. How did they receive it? By praying in other tongues. Everybody clear? Okay, watch this now. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they asked him to stay a few days. Now, I'm just going to close right there because it's 1045 on the clock. If you'll go and you'll read Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7, you'll see the last recorded act of somebody being filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're going to see those same three running together again. The person getting saved, the person getting water baptized, and the person being filled with the Holy Spirit. As a believer, you need all three. Somebody say, I need all three. Online, type in, I need all three. What are all three? Saved, water baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. It could be saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and water baptized. There's only one of those three that has to be first every time. Which one is that? See, if you're not saved, you might get filled with something. But it ain't going to be holy. I mean, you can get water baptized. You're not saved. But you're just going to go in a dry devil and come out a wet devil. What's the one that you cannot skip? The other two can come in either order, but you need both of those. All right, so now I'm going to go ahead and close right here. How do I want to close? See, how do you receive the Holy Spirit? How do you receive it? Online, how do you receive the Holy Spirit? You have to start by asking yourself the same question that you'll see in Acts chapter 19. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? In Acts chapter 19, they asked Peter, they said to Peter, we haven't even heard whether there be a Holy Spirit or not. So it wasn't that they didn't want to receive it. They had never heard about it. So you always ask yourself the question, have I received the Holy Spirit since I've been saved? I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit within. You get that at salvation. I'm talking about the one that we've been ministering on right now. There's so many benefits to that, right? You can pray out divine secrets. You can build up yourself on your most holy faith. It strengthens your faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in other tongues. 
It takes up over 90% of my prayer time. I pray about 10% in English. The rest of the time, I pray in other tongues. I want everyone to stand to their feet. We're just going to go ahead and close right here for the day. Online, I'm going to minister to you online as well. So if you're in this room today and you've never prayed in other tongues, just come on down here to the front. You're already saved, but you've never prayed in other tongues. Come on down here to the front. I already know you want it, so that's why I didn't ask you to raise your hand. You've already seen enough evidence in the Word of God. Come on down here right now if you've never prayed in other tongues.